1: You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Ron, what are some of the things you can do to help
0: the front create more pressure?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, we've got to look at some movements as far as those guys up front are concerned, you know, and, and give them an opportunity to, to create some one-on-ones for, uh, for our tackles. Um, you know, that's one thing we've noticed is, you know, there's there's been a little bit more, obviously, attention being paid to to, to our defensive tackles both Jonathan and Duran, so we've got to try and create some situations where they end up getting singled up a little bit more, and hopefully that will help them. So there you go, Miami. The game plan Sunday to get more pass rush is to get Duran Payne and John Allen singled up more than they've been this year so that they can pressure and sack your quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, the older brother of Talia Tungavailoa, uh, as we Maryland fans refer to him, Leah Tungavailoa, who on Saturday at Rutgers set the Big Ten career passing yardage mark. Yeah, a Maryland quarterback is now the all-time passing yards leader in the history of the Big Ten. Uh, Congrats to Leah Tungavailoa. Uh, The Terps won Saturday. They finished the regular season seven and five. They will find out what bowl game they are going to on Sunday. Uh, that was Ron Rivera, by the way, answering a question earlier today from Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post. The show today presented, as always, by Window Nation. Call them at eight six six ninety nation or go to windonation.com, mention my name. They'll take really good care of you. The show today is going to be a much shorter sprint uh, than... The 5K we did on Friday, Uh, had Cooley on, had Jay Gruden on the day after the Dallas game, the day of Jack Del Rio's firing, although I recorded the Jay Gruden interview uh, on Friday morning before that news broke. But if you missed the show, that was a good one on Friday. Uh, This from Pando on Twitter, Kevin, it's always a joy when you have Chris Cooley on your show. What about film breakdowns this week? (laughs) Thank you, Pando, very much. Um, It's not that I don't think he wants to do it. Uh, I think he loves doing film breakdowns. I think he loves watching film. I think he loves doing it for all of you and for me, too. Uh, He just doesn't have time to do it. I periodically ask him, and he's always... uh, Of course, Uh, I'm going to find some time and get it done, and then his life gets in the way of it. His life is, he's coaching wrestling, he's working, he's got young kids. Uh, He loves doing it, he loves coming on the show to do it. Uh, I think it's just a matter of him having time. Last week worked out for him to at least come on and talk about the game, because it was Thanksgiving, he had the day off, and he watched the game, so it was good to have him, but we'll try to get him on for a specific assignment or two uh, before the end of the year. Uh, This from Rob. Kevin, not sure I love it when you have two guests on the show. One should be Max. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. How about none today? Nobody's scheduled for today. It's just me. That might be worse than at least one guest. Uh, You'll have to let me know. Um, Anyway, back to what Ron said about the pass rush, uh, because I was thinking about... Their pass rush. And I, I wondered where some of the numbers were. I'll get to Duran and John in a moment. But did you know that Washington is currently eighth in the league in sacks with 35? Now, they've played one more game than some teams, but not one more game than most teams now. We have very few buys left in the week. Washington still has their bye week. That's coming up after the game Sunday against Miami. Um, Washington, eighth in the league with 35 sacks on the season. They did have nine in one game. Okay, They had a little bit more than 25% of their sacks in one game against Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants. Um, the next-gen pass-rush win rate number for them is not as impressive. 23rd in the league in next-gen's pass-rush win rate. Uh, to Duran and John Allen, since Ron brought both of them up in his answer today, Duran Payne has two sacks through 12 games. I know sacks aren't the end-all, be-all, but you know who usually ends up among the leaders in sacks in the NFL, the best pass rushers in the league? You know, you hear all the time, sacks aren't the end-all, be-all. Sometimes it's kind of lucky or good fortune and, you know, how many people you're tying up and allowing others. No. T.J. Watt, here here are the leaders in sacks. You ready? T.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, Daniil Hunter, Josh Allen, Max Crosby, Micah Parsons, Kayvon Thibodeau. That's your top eight. This year, okay. You want to go back to last year's list in terms of sacks? How about Nick Bosa, Hassan Reddick, Miles Garrett, Chris Jones, Matthew Judon, Micah Parsons, J.J. Watt, Max Crosby? Teron Payne was twelfth last year on that list. Um, Teron Payne, two sacks through twelve games, tied for a hundred and forty-second in the league in sacks. Last year, he had 11.5, finished 12th in the league overall, third among defensive tackles. Uh, He's got just two this year. Last year, also, he had 18 TFLs, tackles for loss. That was fourth best in the league last year. Um, It was the best in the league among defensive tackles last year. He's got 9 through 12 games this year. That's tied for 26th in the league, tied for 6th among defensive tackles. He's actually tied with John Allen, who's got the same number of TFLs. Uh, I'm not sure who gets double teamed more. Uh, I was looking for those numbers. They have double team rates for the guys that get double teamed the most. Um, I don't know who gets doubled more, Payne or Allen. I would bet... That it's Payne a little bit more by just a tiny bit over Allen, but I'm not sure about that. I think sometimes it's not who the opponent is doubling. Um, you know, it's more about their own interior offensive line weakness. Meaning, you know, it's not picking Deron Payne or John Allen to double team. It's based on, you know, let's just say hypothetically, their left guard is their weak link. And so they're going to give him the most help. So whomever's lined up in front of him is going to ultimately get doubled more in a game. Um, anyway, uh, not great years for Payne or Allen, both of whom were Pro Bowlers last year. I don't think either one of them will be. Uh, in the Pro Bowl this year. John Allen actually has five and a half sacks. He had seven and a half last year. So I said something this morning on my radio show that I know I've said on the podcast as well, but it doesn't sit well with everybody and that's fine. Um, But what it had to do with was kind of attempting, if you will, to constructively critique Terry McLaurin In a way um, that, you know, for some of you, uh, it upsets you. um, And that's fine. This came from Brad. Uh, My two cents on your nagging of Terry McLaurin (laughs) Uh, is that what I'm doing? Nagging? Um, Anyway, Brad continues. Terry's numbers aren't the whole story, Kevin. He's not a major focus for the offensive coordinator. He's played with bad quarterbacks until this year, and you don't give him nearly enough credit for being a really good blocker. Um, You know, Brad, you're right. Terry does a nice job as a blocker. Uh, And, Brad, he has had nothing to work with at quarterback since he got here until this year. You're right on both fronts. And I think you're also right that the – O.C., no O.C. here, has actually just decided, hey, we're going to feed 17. You know, we're going to feed Terry McLaurin. That's our offense when we throw the football. I don't think any offensive coordinator has done that uh, while they've been here. Um, Brad, I like Terry McLaurin. He's a good receiver. My my criticism or my critique, because it's not criticism – is that while he is a number one receiver, you know, in the NFL, up here as, as, as Coach Joe would say, he's just not what some think he is, some in our fan base think he is, in my opinion. I mean, I think there's a pretty big drop-off between, you know, five guys, which I would put at the top tier, maybe six, you know, um, Tariq Hill, uh, it's A.J. Brown, uh, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, maybe Stephon Diggs. You know, that's kind of the first tier. Those Terry McLaurin's not those guys. I mean, you can watch with your own eyes these games. He's just not at that level. I think we can all agree on that. I would hope we can. And then there's a second tier of receivers. You know, if Diggs isn't in the first tier, he leads the second tier with a guy like Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, I hate to say it, but CeeDee Lamb. You know, I think now Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe even Brandon Ayuk, you know, Metcalf, Mike Evans. I guess you could, you know, you could think about Terry in the back half of that group. Um, but more likely than not, he's kind of in the group with everybody else. And I, I think after really those first five or six, you know, maybe throwing Cup, throwing, you know, maybe Lamb now, maybe Metcalf Evans. Uh, anyway, he, he's in the conversation with guys like DJ Moore and Devontae Smith and Amari Cooper and Garrett Wilson. I'm sure I'm missing some guys without even getting into guys that are younger, like rookies or second-year guys. I mean, Terry right now is tied for 25th in the NFL in yards. 25th. And he's played the max number of games, 12. He's 16th in targets, 17th in receptions. He's 20th in the league in 20-yard or more receptions, all right, big plays, He's 58th in yards per reception. He's got two touchdowns. I mean, he doesn't have a shot in hell, right, of making the Pro Bowl this year. I mean, maybe as an alternate, unless he goes wild here over the next few weeks. I mean, he certainly wouldn't deserve it. Jefferson, if he comes back, he's going to get voted in. He's the best receiver in the NFC. Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFC. All right, A.J. Brown's probably second, and then I, I, I hate to say it again because I didn't think C.D. Lamb was this kind of a player, but Lamb and probably Amon Ross St. Brown are all in front of him. Evans is, is there too. Um, he could be an alternate. I don't know. But the numbers aren't all his fault. I get that. I, I get it. The numbers aren't all his fault. They haven't been. And this year, where they've got a quarterback and they've got a pass-heavy offense, it is a bit strange, right, that Sam Howe leads the league in attempts, completions. He's fifth in passing yards per game. You'd think that Terry McLaurin would have great league-leading or top-10 kind of numbers. He doesn't. Um, the reason is they've really spread it around. Washington, listen to this. Washington has five guys with at least 33 receptions this year. All right, Terry leads that group with 60, Um, and then you have uh, Curtis Samuel with 47, Logan Thomas with 45, Jahan Dotson with 42, and Antonio Gibson with 33. By the way, I'm I'm just thinking about this. Jahan Dotson has played 12 games. That's the number the number he played last year. He played 12 out of the 17 let's compare Jahan Dotson's 2022 rookie year and his 2023 year two based on the same number of games. So he played 12 games. I was right about that. He had 35 receptions last year. He's got 42 this year. He had 523 yards last year, 435 this year. He averaged 14.9 yards per reception last year, had seven touchdowns. He's got four right now. So a better rookie year, even though it's less on the reception front, but a better rookie year than he's had in year two. And obviously the eye test would say that uh, as well. But Washington has five guys with at least 33 catches, four with at least 42 catches. Here's something by comparison. Miami, their next opponent is the number one pass offense in the NFL in yards per game. They only have two guys with more than 20 catches. Washington has five with at least 33 and four with at least 42. Miami's only got two with more than 20. Hill's got 88 and Waddle's got 52. Nobody else with more than 20, uh, 20 catches. I mean, Biennemi and Hal have spread it around better than any of the league-leading passing offenses. Um, it's not even close. I mean, here, here's the Washington numbers on uh, catches, receptions, et cetera. I mean, Terry is, you know, benefiting from being in an offense that's been productive from a passing standpoint, but he's not benefiting individually for, you know, being in a really high volume passing offense that focuses solely on their best receiver which I think you could say is him. He's been targeted the most uh by 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 a long shot. All right, he's got you know he's been targeted the most. Um his percentage of receptions to targets is the least among the the players on the team. But Samuel's got 47 catches, Dotson's got 42, Logan Thomas has 45, so he's third in front of Dotson. And then it's Gibson with 33 and Brian Robinson with 29. I mean, De'Ami Brown's got 11 catches. Pringle's got 13 now. Crowder's got 15 catches. Bates has 15. Turner's got 10. I mean, they got a lot of dudes that have caught balls in double-digit numbers this year. A lot. Um, But I do like Terry. I do. I, I think Terry's a really good receiver. I'm just not in that camp with some of you that believe that he is elite or if he were with a much better quarterback, he'd be elite. I don't think that's true. I don't. I think that when you watch Hill and you watch A.J. Brown and when you watch Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Stephon Diggs, they just are better receivers overall. They're better with the ball. They're better at 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 getting um, open than they are certainly better. Most of them at yards after catch. Where is he in yards after catch? I didn't look that up. I I can't imagine he's very high in yards after catch among receivers. Um, I mean there are a lot of running backs on this list. Obviously, Uh, yards after catch. I mean, Tariq Hill leads the league, Jamar Chase is third, Amon Ross St. Brown's fourth, C.D. Lamb is sixth, Keenan Allen. I didn't even mention Keenan Allen. I mean, he's a stud. He's seventh, DJ Moore's ninth, Brian Robinson's tenth in the league in yards after catch. Where's Terry? Terry is way down the list. 61st in the league in yards after catch. He's not an elite receiver. He's not a second tier. He's a number one wide receiver. He's a top half of the league starting wide receiver. He is. But I think by the time we get to the end of this year and we start having this conversation in advance of 2024, I bet you we'll be able to name 14 minimum that you take in front of Terry. And I think Terry's good. I do. He's the best receiver they've had in a long time, you know, since Pierre – since Deshaun, you know, Jordan as a tight end may have been the best of all of them. He could still go nuts. I'd still love to see him, you know, I, I love this. He's uncheckable on that slant right off the line of scrimmage. Um, all right. Uh, there are other things to get to on the show today. Uh, some Del Rio follow-ups, the, a report in uh, on CBSSports.com from over the weekend that I want to read, uh, and then probably the game of the year from the NFL yesterday. Uh, All of that and more when we return, right after these messages from a few of our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash blue terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats. You could miss plus with a us based restoration specialist on your team. You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. How do you balance? You guys throw in a lot. You want to play better complimentary football. Do those two things work together, or how do you kind of balance those things? Well, they can. Again, a lot of it has to do with, with, with you know, completions obviously is a, is a really big thing. Um, and then, you know, being able to run the football um, based on certain certain points of the game. You know, you get in a certain situation, certain circumstances. Um, you want to be able to run the ball no matter what they are. That was Ron Rivera earlier today answering a question from Sam 48. Complementary football, balanced football. You heard him mention twice, run the football. I wonder if Ron's final five games as a coach in the NFL, and these are going to be his final five games, certainly as a head coach in the NFL. I can't imagine Ron would go somewhere as an assistant. Uh, I think he's ready to play golf and lead the good life, I would assume, out in Northern California somewhere. Um, But what if Ron, now that he's calling defensive signals, what if he wanted offensively to see it the way that he wants it done? And he went to Eric and said, Hey, man, we need to run the ball more. We need to be more balanced. We need to be ground and pound. Uh, he wouldn't be able to talk about the development of Sam Howe as easily uh, if they did that. No, I think he'll leave Eric Bieniemy alone. I do. Uh, this segment of the show brought to you by Surfside DC. And something that makes sense this time of year, especially when you're trying to feed family and friends. Lots of family time this season. And Surfside's fajita boxes are here to make your dinners easy. On the go or on your way home, they are the best way to feed your crew. With a meal everyone will love. Fajita chicken, steak, veggies, all the fixings in a convenient grab-and-go box. I'm telling you, these fajitas are great. Thinking ahead, hop online to order a fajita box in advance. On the fly, fajita boxes can be ready in minutes flat and delivered straight to your door. Learn more at SurfsideDC.com. So uh, I'm assuming that some of you probably have already seen this. Uh, It was a report yesterday from Jonathan Jones uh, from uh, CBSSports.com. Uh, And it was a report about what will happen at the end of this year, as if we didn't know already. But this is sourced and this is more official sounding, I guess, than just our conversations. But Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports Uh, reported the following over the weekend quote multiple sources tell CBS Sports that managing partner Josh Harris is inclined to keep Ron Rivera through the end of the regular season but is but it is widely assumed that he will not be retained as head coach and chief of football for the commanders after the 17th game of the year that would be the final game of the year Uh, That means there will be a search for a head coach and very possibly a general manager in Washington this offseason, and both jobs are thought to be among the most attractive in the NFL. More on that in a moment. Um, Rivera finishing out the season, uh, Jones writes, is likely to take place even if Washington is mathematically eliminated from postseason contention weeks earlier. One source said Rivera has earned the right to stay through the end. Uh, Also reported by Jonathan Jones in this story, uh, as I had discussed on Friday on the show, the decision to fire Del Rio was Rivera's decision. Uh, He writes, there was no stated mandate from ownership. Um, And then one more circling back to this is an attractive job. Quote, everyone's shooting for Washington, closed quote, according to one personnel executive Um, in speaking about the commander's not-yet-vacant GM position. So, anyway, look, for us living the day-to-day here, I mean, this isn't, you know, a surprising report. We understand and have understood since really before the season started that Ron Rivera was a lame-duck head coach. You know, barring 10-plus wins and a playoff victory, he was gone. You know, and a lot of people are going to be gone at four and eight with three straight losses, with with you know a, a sweep by the Giants and a loss to the Bears. Um, yeah, uh, it doesn't matter what they do down the stretch. Their minds are made up. They are going to be moving on. I think their minds were made up before the season started, and it w- and their minds would have needed to be changed by a lot of winning, which hasn't happened. So look, you know, we've known here Rivera is not coming back. Um, The part of the Jones story to me that is reassuring and more confirmation is that Washington is viewed as a very good opportunity for what we believe will be a GM and head coaching opportunity. You know, this has not been the case here in a long, long time. It's obvious why we've talked about it. You know, We've talked about it more so since since the trades of Sweat and Young because of the draft choices that it brought in. But Washington right now, and I looked at this right before I started to record the podcast, they now have the second most cap space in the NFL. Second in projected cap space entering 2024. You know, in addition to that, they have five picks in the first three rounds All except for the 49ers selection being high picks in those rounds. They have perhaps, perhaps TBD, a young quarterback that can be a starter next year and maybe beyond. And most importantly, they've got normal ownership, at least as far as we can tell, compared to the situation that existed before, which was abnormal. Ownership, uh, which made this place very toxic and kept many high quality candidates from even considering Washington. Now it's a very attractive job. And as Jonathan Jones reported, everyone's shooting for Washington. Um, So uh, I wanted to read this quick email from Marty. It was an interesting one. Actually, I would have loved to have had a conversation. With him, and I emailed him back. I'll see if he uh, responds. Marty wrote via email I'm a business consultant with an understanding of organizational culture. The firing of somebody like Jack Del Rio could ultimately be more of a problem than you think, Kevin, unless a majority of your employees believe that him being there was much worse than him not being there. It results in distrust of ownership and a belief that ownership is detached. They have to believe that he deserved it or this culture statement that your listeners want will work in reverse. I I don't know anything about, you know, other than having worked in many companies, not in radio, having actually run a few companies, not in radio. Um, I'm not an organizational culture expert, you know, like Marty claims to be as a as a consultant perhaps to, you know companies um, and culture building, you know, employees, et cetera. I I, I do – I understand what he is laying out here. What he's laying out is if Jack Del Rio was a highly respected part of the group and as far as the players were concerned was not the reason for the poor performance on defense, then, you know, firing him could be a mark against Ron. It could be a mark against ownership. Uh, you know, we never know from the outside looking in. I mean, look, my position on the Del Rio Rivera fired, not fired over the last couple of weeks hasn't changed. Uh, it, it, was justified based on the results. I didn't personally need it. I've waited 24 years for a normal organization. I can wait another month and a half. Um, I didn't think that, you know, it was going to be a sign of passivity or complacency on ownership's part if they didn't do anything. I I just, I didn't think that way. Some of you did. Some of you were very, very passionate in your communication with me. And I don't think that there's, uh, that that it's unjustified for you to feel that way. I do think it's a little bit of a reach for me to believe that, you know, if Josh didn't do anything, you were going to have a big problem with new ownership and it was going to be tough for you to kind of come back. I mean, come on. I mean, if Dan didn't run you off after 24 years, not firing Del Rio or Rivera was going to run you off, that doesn't make sense to me at all. But again, it was justified. To feel like one or both should be fired is justified based on the results. Um, And they did fire Del Rio. It didn't make a lot of you happy. A lot of you wanted it to be Rivera or both. Um, But they weren't going to go that way, and they weren't going to give it to Eric bien the rest of the way either. At least not yet. I don't think that'll happen. And I don't think that would be fair to Eric B. as I've laid out many times in the past. But Marty, that, it's an interesting idea that firing somebody just to look non-complacent or to look like you're trying to create new culture could backfire if you fire the wrong person. I, I understand that. And look, I don't know if Del Rio was the problem. I do know this at least until recently, and I don't know that it changed recently, but I know that, you know, through the first quarter of the year, even as some of the bad results were happening, Jack was well-respected by his players. Uh, Ron's been well-respected by his players. It may have changed over the last several weeks, you know, with some of these losses to the Giants twice in particular. You know, it's possible that that changed. I do know that they had a problem with Brent Wieselmeyer being the DB's coach and thought that it was a major downgrade from Chris Harris and that that was a big issue with the coverage in the secondary. So there you go. That's that. Um, All right. Uh, Let's finish up in the next segment by talking about some of the NFL from yesterday, including that Eagles-Bills game, which was just spectacular. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. This would be a backbreaker for Buffalo fans, and this would be the pedigree of championship teams. Hurts! Hurts to the end zone! And the Eagles have won it in overtime. That's the championship DNA. We were talking about all game. They could be behind on yards, on plays. And they still win. How about that, Jalen Hurts? Uh, Spectacular. What a game at the link yesterday in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts, by the way, at my bookie right now, the favorite to win the MVP at plus 132, followed by Mahomes and then Lamar Jackson, Tua, and Dak. Uh, That's your top five in terms of MVP odds-wise at my bookie, go to mybookie.ag. Use my promo code Kevin DC, and you will get a cash bonus on your initial deposit. Uh, what a great game that was yesterday! Um, there was just something about that game too, uh, in that it was rainy, foggy, end of November, end of a holiday weekend. High-stakes football between a Buffalo team that desperately needed it, a Philadelphia team that is battling really the 49ers, probably more so than anybody else at this point, uh, after Detroit's Thanksgiving Day loss for the number one seed. They play San Francisco this coming week. There's just something about this time of year um, when you get on the East Coast, uh, that late Sunday afternoon, it's dark, it's rainy, it's foggy, it's cloudy, and the game lives up to it. Uh, it was certainly one of the two or three best games of the season. Uh, I would say start to finish maybe the best game of the season so far. Josh Allen was spectacular in the game. 29-51, of 51, 339, two touchdowns. Uh, Had an 83.1 QBR because he rushed the ball nine times for 81 yards and two scores. Buffalo desperate for a win, trying to get back into the playoff picture in the AFC. A brutal schedule ahead for them. Uh, They play the Chiefs and the Cowboys coming up. They still have games with the Chargers and the Dolphins. Um, They had lost two of the last three. They had only beaten the Jets so they really needed this one, and it was a tough one. They knew it would be a tough one, and they had – You know, a 10-point lead on two different occasions. How about this? The Eagles, in their last five games where they've been down by 10 or more, they've won all five of those games, including the game on Monday night against Kansas City when they were down 17-7. There is something about this Eagles group, man. It is a winning organization. Uh, It is a winning team. It's a winning coaching staff, winning roster. They've got a great roster. I mean, Jalen Hurts is not healthy. You know, they talked about this on the broadcast yesterday, which was a Nance-Romo CBS game. I'm telling you, man, Romo, I don't know if I can do Romo much more. Romo, to me, comes off as ill-prepared. Do you know that he said before Jake Elliott lined up to kick the field goal to tie the game from 59 yards out, it was 4th and 17 or something like that. He actually said, and I, he was joking, but like you know, the moment didn't call for necessarily a joke. And he said, what do you think, Jim? You think they might fake it here? Fake a field goal? When you're down three with 20 seconds to go, for what? Uh, You're going to have your punter throw a pass on 4th and 18? Um, Whatever. Enough of Romo. Um, What a game. Uh, Hertz, during the broadcast, was described as having had a knee contusion since the Jet game, which is their only loss of the year. He has not looked healthy. He hasn't talked about it much. Um, he doesn't look as spry, as quick, as fast until he has to be like that last run in overtime for the win. Um, I, th- I thought there were a couple of interesting things in this game just to mention real quickly. At the end of regulation, before the Jake Elliott uh, field goal, Sean McDermott took a timeout, his second timeout, as you know, an attempt to ice the kicker. He needed that timeout. Because they were going to get the ball back with roughly 20 seconds to go if the field goal went through. And to me, they should have been in full attack mode. They've got Josh Allen. They've got Stephon Diggs. He took a knee after the field goal went through with 20 seconds to go. I I mean, there are only a few teams you feel comfortable from their own 25-yard line trying to pick up, say, 40 yards or so, 35 to 40 yards. To get into range to at least attempt one. They're one of those teams. And he had one timeout and he should have had two. And instead, they took a knee and ultimately they lost in overtime. You know, it came down to two zero coverage all out blitzes, one against Buffalo on their opening drive on third and six at the Philadelphia 22. Gabe Davis beat his man badly, but Allen said it was a choice route, and he thought Davis was going to go in, and Davis went out incomplete. And then Buffalo on first and ten at the Buffalo 12 in the red zone with two and a half to go in overtime. Here they come, and they've got the perfect QB draw dialed up or at least checked to, and Jalen Hurts essentially goes into the end zone untouched for the game winner. Uh, Just a classic kind of regular season game and for philly they go to 10 and 1 uh an amazing start to this season because they still if you watch philly it doesn't appear as if they've put together the perfect game yet they get the 49ers this weekend how about this at my bookie right now i'm looking at it right now the 49ers are two and a half point favorites at philly sunday Does that tell you how much San Francisco is respected in this league by the odds makers? That is amazing. On the road at a 10-1 Philadelphia team, they are favored this Sunday. Uh... That's you know you had an unbelievable game yesterday. By the way, this weekend, a long-range forecasts understood, but rain in the forecast for the East Coast on Sunday, which would include Miami, Washington at FedEx, and would include Philly and San Francisco at Lincoln Financial. Uh, in what shapes up to be the game of the year in the NFC, the 49ers at eight and three, the Eagles at ten and one. The 49ers have to have it to have any chance at hosting the NFC Championship game. Philadelphia, they're in this midst, right, of playing the Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. They're 3-0 on the first of that brutal six-game stretch. I mean, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. They're 3-0. They beat the Cowboys at home. They beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead on Monday night, and they beat the Bills at home Yesterday. Meantime, you know, the Bills are at six and six. This AFC wild card picture is wild. The games yesterday, you know, included Denver winning a fifth straight, beating the Browns. Don't be surprised if the Browns go to Joe Flacco uh this week and a big game that they have against the Rams on the road. Um, the Broncos are one of the most incredible turnaround stories that we've had within a season in the NFL in a long time. I know Jacksonville last year really turned it around. Ultimately, they won a playoff game after starting, what was it, last year? Were they 2-6 and six last year? Um, I think they were, and they ended up going 9-8 and eight and getting to the postseason. Uh, but Denver's 1-5 was particularly ugly. You know, all-time bad on defense. They gave up 70 to Miami, 700-plus yards to Miami. Um, You know, that was a week after Washington went for 35. I mean, what Denver's done and Sean Payton, I mean, it is one of the stories of the year. They've won five in a row. They're 6-5. and They're tied for the seventh spot in the AFC uh, playoff picture with Indy. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Cuz in the AFC, you've got right now Cleveland, Indy, uh, and Pittsburgh Cleveland and Indy holding down the three wild card spots with teams like Buffalo and Cincinnati and the Chargers on the outside looking in. Cincinnati's a wreck without Joe Burrow. Uh, they, They seem to have no chance without Joe Burrow. The Chargers lost that game to the Ravens last night. Man, I had the Chargers in the smell test, I had the Chargers personally plus the four. I mean, come on, uh, Zay Flowers, get down. You don't need to score. In fact, it's the wrong thing to score. He had the first down. If he goes down, it's three knees, and it's a 13-10 to final. Instead, Zay Flowers took that fly sweep and took it to the house um, for a touchdown, and uh, Baltimore wins 20-10. to Man, Justin Herbert just can't seem to get it done. They had the ball midfield down 13-10. They had a, a really good chance to tie it or maybe win it. You know, we were talking about receivers earlier. I mean, Keenan Allen, my God, he's just so effing good. 14 catches on 16 targets, Keenan Allen. You know, we talked about Terry's um, 60 receptions on 97 targets, I think I said it was. Keenan Allen this year, 97 catches on 129 targets. That's amazing. 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 Uh anyway, um so the Chargers certainly the Chargers and Bills certainly look well the Bills more so look like playoff teams, but the Chargers now, I mean, with Brandon Staley, they were better on defense. They turned the ball over four times. They're in trouble at four and seven. The Bills still have a prayer. They got to win five, though. Four of their final five with that schedule won't be easy. They got to get to 10. I think in the AFC, it's going to take 10. Denver, after beating the Browns, they've got three straight on the road now. At Houston, huge game in the AFC playoff picture this coming Sunday. Houston lost to Jacksonville yesterday. They got the Chargers after that, the Broncos do, and then the Lions after that. Um,. Crazy. Uh, in the NFC, the, the, the Falcons beat the Saints. Uh, Desmond Ritter threw two picks, but also had an amazing touchdown pass under pressure. They rushed the ball for 228 against that New Orleans defense. That is really, I mean, Cordarell Patterson's back. He's playing well. Tyler Algier went for like 64 on 10 carries. Bijan Robinson had nearly 100. Um, they don't actually need their quarterback to do a hell of a lot. I think Atlanta really looks like the team after that win yesterday. Now, they close against the Saints, um, and but they have the Jets. They've got the Panthers. They've got the Bears left on their schedule. Um, it's probably in the NFC South. Tampa's only a game back at 4-7. The NFC South looks like the, a, the NFC East did back in 2020. Um, but anyway... Uh some really good games yesterday, you know, highlighted, of course, by uh, the Eagles and the Bills. By the way, the Rams have won two in a row. They're back in, in contention. You know, those that were thinking, well, Washington can beat the Jets. They can beat the Rams. They'll probably be underdogs in both of those games. They'll certainly be an underdog at this point against the Rams if they're healthy. They are uh, surging towards, you know, playoff contention in the NFC. Real quickly, the games on Saturday in college football. Uh, Michigan, I thought, was the better team, not by much. I mean, that was a hell of a game. Obviously, a big call on that touchdown that made it 14 to three could have been an interception. I didn't think there was enough there to overturn um, that call. Uh, and now Michigan um, is three in a row against Ryan Day and Ohio State, and I know that does not please Buckeye Nation. But the Buckeyes aren't done yet. You know there is definitely a scenario in which Ohio State could still get there, and the scenario goes like this: Georgia beats Bama in the SEC title game. How about that Iron Bowl? What a finish. You know, 10 years after the kick six, we've now got fourth and 31, Milrow to bond. Uh, Just amazing. Auburn was really good in that game. Um, They were a pick. The smell test was good on Saturday, four and two on Saturday, one, three, and one yesterday with the Bears pending tonight uh, plus the three. Did you see, by the way, I know I'm rambling here, that right now um, the potential exists – for more favorites to cover in an NFL weekend than ever before, 12 of the 15 games were won by uh, were covered by favorites. If the Vikings do it tonight, it would be an all-time mark for favorites covering. That's not good for contrarian betters, one of the reasons I was one, three and one yesterday, although I actually had a favorite that lost. Uh, one of the dogs that did cover were the Giants, I had the Patriots. But back to the potential for Ohio State. If Georgia beats Bama, they're a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Michigan beats Iowa, they're a 23-point favorite in the Big Ten title game. Uh, And then let's just say the Oregon-Washington winner, whomever it is. uh, If Florida State were to lose to Louisville, they're only a three-point favorite in that game. Uh, They're just a different team without their quarterback, but they're going to get in if they win. Uh, they came back in the swamp to beat Florida, which was impressive because it looked like they were about to get their ass kicked. They were down 12 nothing, and they came back and won that game. Um, but if Florida State were to lose to Louisville and Texas were to lose to Oklahoma State, who barely qualified for the Big 12 championship game, they were down to BYU big and came back. Um, and won that game, but Ohio State would likely be the fourth team. If Florida State and Texas lose, along with Alabama losing to Georgia, yeah, Ohio State is probably in as the fourth team. As a one-loss team over at that point, the only other one-loss team that would be in contention would be Washington and Florida State. And personally, I think Ohio State would certainly be ahead of Florida State in that scenario. Florida State's eliminated with a loss completely. And Washington, even though the loss would come to a team that some believe is the best team in the country right now, it's hard for me to disagree with that based on the eye test. Oregon's been awesome. But if Washington played a super close game against Oregon, it might go to Washington over Ohio State. But the Buckeyes aren't dead yet. They're not. Um Heisman Trophy odds. Bo Nix a slight favorite over Jaden Daniels uh, after this past weekend. It's a two-horse race between those two. Penix Jr. is not going to win it. Um, And uh, it'll probably go to Nix. Probably will go to Nix, even though I think Jaden Daniels has had uh, the best season of any college football player. Uh, He was sensational. On Saturday, in their comeback win over Texas A&M, a lot of people will look at the numbers and they'll say, "Wow, that wasn't really a Jaden Daniels day. He only he only had in the whole game four touchdowns, uh, and accounted for just over um, uh, just over 400 yards, I think it was uh, in that game. Uh, wait a minute, hold on. I pulled up the wrong box score. Let me just make sure I got the right one here. Um. Yeah, in in the game, Daniels had four passing touchdowns and accounted for 235 passing yards, 120 rushing yards, so 355 yards. But they only had the ball in the game for 52 snaps. That is it. Uh, So they're... Their production on 52 snaps was pretty outrageous. Uh, All right, that is it. One more smell test pick if you're interested. I I gave out the Bears. I'm sticking with the Bears. That line is still plus three tonight. Um, Just looking to see if it's been updated at all. Yeah, I still got plus three pretty much everywhere. I like the Bears tonight. The public loves Minnesota. No Justin Jefferson for the Vikings tonight. Um, although in my fantasy league, I really need Justin Fields to have a bad night. I'm close to being eliminated here in week uh, 12. I think it's week 12, right, of the NFL season? Something like that. Uh, Don't forget, Window Nation has a great deal right now. Uh, Temperatures are dropping rapidly. Energy costs are on the rise. How about two free windows with every two you purchase, plus five years of 0% financing? If you've got old drafty windows, your furnace is working harder than ever to keep your family warm. Window Nation is helping out this month. 0% financing five years. Buy two, get two free. That means you're paying half price on the windows. Window Nation, you can trust. 16 years of experience for all of their installers with over 20,000 windows installed. That's led to a 96% perfection mark, meaning that only 4% of the time, only 4% of the time does, a, uh, does an install require a follow-up service. They get it right the first time. You can trust them. Uh, I haven't been endorsing Window Nation for 14 years because I don't trust them. I trust them completely. I did in my home, many family members, and friends' homes as well. Eight six six ninety nation or WindowNation.com. Mention my name. Back tomorrow with Tommy.